Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. I am forever your fabulous host, alongside with the writer and creator of the most amazing space opera comic I've ever read in my entire fucking life, <laughs> Jared Gifford, the Darum Captain of the Stars. Jared, it's glad to have you back on the show. How are you? Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, no, it's, 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 always, it's always awesome to always be on the show with you. I mean, this, you know, and uh, and can you believe it? We're actually getting, uh, we're, we're actually getting high into the episodes now. Well, we're not getting high, but, you know. Well, you know, if we were high when we were doing these episodes, they would be a lot funnier. <laughs> you imagine us smoking some blunts doing this? I don't think anybody would listen to this fucking podcast. Well, all we'd be doing is sitting around eating hash brownies. <laughs> I mean, I've had a couple of hash brownies every now and again, but I've never tried to record anything because I knew that it would just be jumbled shit. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, but, uh, um... But no, it's awesome, and uh, no, and I'm, and I'm also glad to be co-hosting it with you, uh, and you know, now I'm going to toot your horn, and uh, basically, <laughs> uh, you know, Corey's writes the amazing um, action-adventure sort of the sci-fi, almost like, it's almost like a sci-fi exploitation film, but yeah. in comic book form, um, The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe, you know, seriously, if you like, if you like 70s exploitation films... Um, intermingled with sci-fi awesomeness. You're going to get that with Taxi Cab Joe. Now, we have an especially amazing show for you guys. This show is going to be showcasing some of the greatest comics to ever come out of Eric Larson. Now, if you don't yeah. know who Eric Larson is, you need to fucking study up, because yeah. if you haven't heard of Savage Dragon or his run mm -hmm. on the amazing Spider-Man that he took over from Todd McFarlane in the 90s, yeah. you are missing out on some fantastic work, because this man... I mean, the Savage Dragon run alone, if you haven't even heard of Savage Dragon... You need oh, to get yeah. under from under your rock, and you need to get the first couple of story well, arcs because it's amazing. Well, interesting enough, two things that um, that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for was Eric Larson actually brought back the Sinister Six in the comic books. Yes, a lot of he people did. Don't, don't realize that, but he did. Uh, he wrote that fantastic Return of Sinister Six storyline, um, and then also interesting enough. Todd McFarlane gets credit for this, but Todd McFarlane's uh, quick to throw it back to Eric Larson. He said that while Todd McFarlane, yes, helped co-create um, Venom with David Michelini, uh -huh. um, he did not do the tongue thing, interestingly enough. No, the tongue the, the thing tongue... was Eric Larson. Exactly. exactly. When Eric Larson <laughs> took over Amazing Spider-Man... He's the one that gave Venom the long tongue. Because before that, he didn't have a long tongue. No, um, Todd McFarlane usually always drew him with, like, the sharp teeth and that creepy smile. Yeah, you um, didn't even see any resemblance of a tongue uh, no, before no. then. In fact, I said, Tom McFarlane always throws back to Eric Larson. Eric Larson is the one, so to clear it up for everybody, Eric Larson's the one who actually uh, started doing the tongue thing with, uh, with Venom. Now, I, like you, mm -hmm. am a huge fan of Savage Dragon. Mm -hmm. Now, for the people who aren't 
maybe schooled a bit in Savage Dragon. Mm -hmm. We're going to take it back a couple of decades when Savage Dragon was just barely nubile born, and yeah. we're going to give him a tiny back to, history. Back to good old 1992. Exactly. We're going to give him a tiny history of what has now become one of the greatest mm -hmm. stories well, 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 of all to, time. To go, to, to go back, and, and, and I think we've covered this before, but to go back... That's just my opinion. It oh, no, okay, be, no, no, exactly. No, exactly. But exactly. <laughs> to go back, because you know, I'm saying we've covered this before, but, but for those who are, say, just jumping into the podcast, not familiar with our show, and are just catching maybe this episode, well, what happened was the Image Founders... Back uh, back in the 90s, what happened was, early 90s was coming up, and they just felt like Marvel didn't appreciate their efforts. What happened was, they were getting paid really well, uh, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was, they were never giving given any credit. I mean, back in the early 90s, you didn't get credit for what you created over at Marvel or DC. No, they if just you gave you the money, and they told you to shut up well, well, and no, be well, thankful well, for well, what well, your well, job well, was. Well, pretty much the contract that you would have is what they would call the work-for-hire contract. Yeah. Basically, the company kept the rights to all the characters you created, and what you did was you got paid for the page rate that you did. Yeah. So as long as you worked at Marvel or DC, you got paid well. But the problem was, was when, say, your tenure was finished there, basically it was back to famine. You were having the feast over there, and now it was famine. And the big problem was, is because you didn't own any rights to anything, money would simply stop rolling in. Exactly. You, you, no you, royalties, you, nothing. You had to you had to basically find somebody who was willing to, to take you on so that you could keep getting steady work. Now, uh, now no, Marvel has rectified that over the oh, last Mar couple Marvel decades. And, yeah, Marvel and DC now actually... Give, I think they give a partial percentage to people when they create stuff over there. But but what happened was that wouldn't have been possible had it not been for this. Image is a lot of people do not give Image the credit that it deserves. And Image should be credited with the fact that yes, now they were not the first independent comic book company out there. There were plenty of other independents. However, but what happened? <laughs> they didn't have the impact that Image had because what happened was Image was. Seven big-time creators. I'm not talking about guys that were maybe only semi-successful yeah. or, like, middle-of-the-road successful. We're talking I'm about seven guys who had already cemented were, themselves in the comic book world. Three of them who were selling comics in the millions. Exactly. Todd McFarlane sold 2.5 million copies of Spider-Man. Um, you know, um... Like, Rob Liefeld, even better than that, Rob Liefeld sold 5 million copies of X-Force number 1. Jim Lee topped them all by selling 8 million copies of X-Men number 1. Which has, and I know we've said this before on podcasts, but yeah. it bears repeating because we don't want you to fucking forget it. Yeah. No one, not a single person in comic book history has hit 8 million other than Jim Lee. Lee. And then anyway, but to, to, to make sure that what the other creators is significant, yeah. pretty much every one of the creators, even if you go with uh, some of the guys who didn't get in the millions, but they're still selling tons and tons like of Silvestri. books. Like Silvestri. Yeah, like Mark Silvestri was still, I mean, he wrote some of the top X-Men books. He was, at this time, he was writing Wolverine. Yeah. He was, he was doing, Mark Silvestri was doing Wolverine with Larry Hama. And if you don't know who Larry Hama is, you need to look up Punisher because Larry Hama had an excellent run on Punisher Warzone. Exactly. And the Warzone, whew. 
that that's a whole new episode. We're gonna get back to that. Yeah, because the but, war zone era yeah. was. But anyway, fucking but basically, wild. he was successful. Eric Larson was doing Amazing Spider-Man, and, and even though Amazing Spider-Man might not have been selling the millions like Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, the thing was, Amazing Spider-Man was still one of the top tier Spider-Man books, so it was selling a lot. Exactly, and it Eric was making Larson, Marvel a shitload yeah, of money. And Eric Larson was writing it. Uh, or well, draw, drawing it. Yeah. That's why he was drawing it, and then uh, and then Jim Valentino had had turned Guardians of the Galaxy from an obscure book that nobody had ever read since the Jim Starlin days. Yeah. To one of the top cosmic books of that era. And I gotta give it to the Image creators. Yeah. They left Marvel with their feet burning. Yeah. Hitting the ground. And I'll be damned if Marvel wasn't, like, bug-eyed at how famous Image got. Yeah. And it wasn't over, you know, a couple of months. It took a couple of years. But uh, the fact that actually, the Image creators... Actually, actually, um, sadly, I can actually say that they did actually get famous overnight, but but it wasn't because of that. Because they already had the fame that they'd carried over. Yeah, I'm talking about when, when they, they became Marvel. Image. Because you're right, you're right. It did take years from them yeah. to get there, building their reputation up. But no, actually... From day one, Image was actually selling very well because once they released the first comic, yeah, which was uh, I believe Rob Liefeld's Youngblood, yes, it um, was, and then they kept going. I mean, they, no, they sold tons. They sold tons. The whole thing is, um, several things they had going for them at the time. One, they had already gained a reputation themselves, and by by this time, um, a lot of our generation was getting into comics. Oh yeah, and our generation was very keen on. One of the things we were a little bit different from our parents on was our parents might have loved comic books, but they never really cared to keep up on who created them. No, they just um, loved them because they had they, their favorite superhero. Yeah, yeah, their favorite superhero, and then you some. Know. Some people cared, but it wasn't the big deal that it was today. Um, our generation, when we started getting into our form, uh, our formative years, um, our generation very much cared about. It's like, well, who does this book? I want to meet the guy who does this book. Um, Exactly. And, we and, were the ones that spearheaded the whole damn thing. Yeah, and so and so, um, what happened was a lot of fans like ourselves got the, helped get them big like that, and then plus several things had going for them at the time, which helped them. What's funny is when their books released for one month at least for one month, they actually toppled DC as the number two, um, as the as the number two comic company yeah. for at least one month. Image was the number two comic book company. Now, just not to get too sidetracked, get back yeah. on to Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Oh yeah, well, at least uh, back on to yeah his yeah. his uh, his stuff. Um, um, well, uh, did you want to start with something, or did you want me to start going to the history? Well, I wanted to start with um, when he took over Spider Man, the Amazing oh, yeah. Spider Man well, from uh, Todd McFarlane. Well, okay, I, I, I can I can actually sum up the history on that. Yeah. One. Um, what happened was. David Michelini and Todd McFarlane had been um, doing a Spider-Man run for about two years. Yeah, it was and like eighty-nine to nine. Uh, well, no, it was, it was eighty-eight. No, it was eighty-eight to 88 ninety. Eighty-eight to ninety. Yeah. Um, Todd McFarlane started doing the art for Amazing Spider-Man in eighty-eight, and and Dave Michelini was doing the writing. Um, anyway, uh, and that was during the time when they co-created Venom together. Yeah. And uh, anyway, what happened was Todd McFarlane. You know, he 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 he's a very outspoken guy, and what happened was is that he he was straight up front by basically he went and told the people that he wasn't thrilled about the scripts that he was getting. Yeah. And here's the whole thing. And he said it was nothing against David Michelini's writing. It was just that um, when he did Spider-Man, he wanted 
his favorite characters to be in Spider-Man. He said, problem is when you're doing art for a writer, the writer's going to throw in all their favorite characters and all their favorite scenarios. And he said, and he said, so he had nothing against David Michelini. He just wanted to sort of, he wanted to have uh, have his own little book where he could uh, where he could create uh, throw in his own favorite gallery of characters that he could put in there. Um, and so basically, he was just telling Marvel, he was like, uh, he you know he was just like um, he was just saying you know I just uh, you know I I just I want to be able to. Um, so he was actually telling him he wanted to leave and that he was going to go on doing something else. But then, uh, what happens? They, 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 this, they, they at least talked him back. Well, I guess I should say for maybe two years. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they what happened was they, they talked him out of leaving and, the uh, and, and what happened was, um, they, they basically said, okay, well, you want to, you, you want to both do art and write? Well, they said, okay, well, we, you're doing so awesome with Spider-Man, with Amazing Spider-Man. What we want you to do, what what, what we're gonna do for you is we're gonna get somebody, we're gonna get somebody else to do the art on Amazing Spider-Man, and we're gonna give you your very own Spider-Man book. Um, and that's when you actually had a book that was just called just Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, doesn't have any fancy title after. Yeah, it was just it was Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. But what happened was, I mean, that was when Todd McFarlane got to do both. Not only could not only could he do do not only could he draw the whole thing. But he also was able to do the writing as well. Um, so he was able to put in the characters that he felt were yeah. iconic to the Spider-Man universe. Yeah, yeah, his favorite version of Spider-Man, which was awesome. Uh, by yeah, the way. oh yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, um, so what happened was around that time um, when he got his own book, then um, then what happened was um, Eric Larson was was. Was starting to get somewhat of a name for himself, doing some other titles. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was they they asked him to do Spider Man, and like I said, and and um, I think that at least should be noted that you know because so many people always talk about how iconic Todd McFarlane's Spider Man was, and and I, and I agree, I agree. Todd it McFarlane was, did it was. Todd McFarlane did an an epic, awesome story arc for Spider Man, but I don't think that that Eric Larson's contributions should be overlooked. Um, Eric Larson actually did a very good, as I said, commendable run of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh -huh. As I said, he, I mean, he needs credit for this. He brought back the Sinister Six. Yes. Um, and he also contributed to Venom because what happened was, um, as I said, Venom was created by both Todd McFarlane and Dave Michelini. Yeah. But, um, but what happened was, um was he didn't get what's considered like his iconic tongue thing, the the big freaky tongue. Yeah. That came from Eric Larson, as we were discussing earlier. Mm -hmm. Eric Larson helped develop the tongue. And anyway, um and then yeah, he did he did a he he did at least uh I would say a, a year and a half to two year run on that. Yeah. Then December ninety one happens, image breaks off, makes its own company, and then they start doing their own comics. Nineteen ninety two happens, they sell you know, tons and tons of copies of their books. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, for a short time, as I said, become the number two comic book company. Um, in fact, in fact, Image was such a phenomenon when it when it came about with with curators like Eric Larson. Yeah, and it was such a phenomenon that uh, when um, when like the big hype happened, um, the thing was is that. Um, um, was that, um, was that, 
you know, Marvel and DC had to take notice. They had to take notice, and then what happened was, um, was, was that's when you had certain things happening, and, you know, a lot of people will talk about, oh, they were doing so many gimmicks in the 90s. Yeah. Well, that was a result of the fact that because they felt threatened by image, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll claim that they weren't, but they were. But that's so, exactly the story. But that's exactly the story. And, I, <laughs> and, and all the image creators will tell you that. They said, you, you look at the timeline, and it's the truth. You look at the timeline, and it all plays out. The whole thing is, is that, you know, image hits. They sell, you know, they, 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 some of the books sell in the millions. I mean, some, some at least sell half a million. Yeah. But the whole point is, they make an impact. Huge impact. Uh, they are not just a fly-by-night company. And then, and then what happens is, then, then Marvel starts doing all these special covers, special books, special events. Yeah. Um, DC then starts changing up his characters. Uh, it, it, they kill off Superman for God's sake. They, they break Batman's back. They, they, you know, they, they do all these event-driven things because basically they're trying to compete with Image, and. Uh, you know, um, but the whole point is, is they were panicking because even Marvel, they, you know, and you and I talk about this, they they, they did some, uh, you know, and it's just so horrible. But they just did some horrific costume and certain character changes in the '90s. Like, uh, we remember '90s Thor costume. Oh fuck! Granted, it only lasted an issue, thank God. But my, oh man, that was a very it's a very 90s costume. Now, what's interesting is the fact that Marvel and DC saw the edginess, the rawness, the amazingness that Image was coming out with. And yeah. what's interesting to know, and you and I know this, the only reason they started doing the characters like they were doing them is because they felt A, threatened, and B, they felt that mm-hmm. they had to make their characters more edgy and more raw and stuff like that so as to compete with the fame that Image was bringing. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, look at like what they did with Wolverine. Oh, good um, lord. For a, so for, a, for, a, for a short period, <laughs> for those who don't know, Corey and I would remember this. Yeah. For a short period, what happened was they, they stripped Wolverine of his adamantium... Uh, of of the adamantium metal, they, they pussified had... him basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, <laughs> well, 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 it was it was weird. Actually, I don't know if it was pussified, but what happened was they, they it was weird because they 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 there was a story arc where where Magneto almost kills him and he strips the um, adamantium off his bones. Yeah, and Jean Grey and, is the one that yeah. keeps him alive. Yeah, yeah, and from it, getting killed. Yeah, yeah. From, when, when he the heals metal up, being well, ripped open from Magneto because his healing factor got better. Because here's an interesting thing: a lot of people don't know this, but one of the uh, but one of the reasons Wolverine's healing factor is actually a lot better than than what it is. Because the funny thing is, is that with the metal adamantium metal in his bones, it was always constantly fighting off metal poisoning. Exactly. And, and, and uh, what's funny is when Magneto was trying to strip him of the metal, yeah. it was like making the adamantium overreact and yeah. make him fe- heal faster. Yeah, and but anyway, what happened was then this is when but what I'm saying what I'm talking about weird is when you get you got into a weird period in Wolverine's history because this is when you got what they call the feral Wolverine because what happened was he still had his claws but they were these bone claws that would come oh, out yeah and you remember that and oh, then geez. and then and it was like there was this weird period where it, it was a slow build because what happened was at first Wolverine 
looked like the classic Wolverine. Yeah. But but oh but but it was like slowly over the years, like you start getting into mid to late nineties, Wolverine had this sort of bestial look. He was like uh he almost he looked like I said, he looked very feral, almost like a kind of animal. Um, he almost looked like uh the mid nineties Sabretooth. Yeah, kind of like that, exactly. Um and uh, and and it was just getting really weird, and I was actually glad when they did the apocalypse storyline where he basically got his metal back. Um, anyway, I, I digress. I'm getting off track here, but get, but back to Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Once the image thing happened and the big thing happened, uh, every every guy, as we talked about, did their own title. Yeah. And Eric Larson had had the Savage Dragon character since he was a kid. Um, the, the history on that was that, um, um, Eric Larson said he'd been, uh, writing and drawing comic books since he was five years old. Uh-huh. Um, he, that was something he'd always wanted to do. He's always been a huge fan of comic books. And, uh, and with Savage Dragon, he said the idea was, and, and, and even Tom McFarlane said, he, like, it's almost like he had the clearest message, Eric Larson. Eric Larson said he just wanted to do comic books and he wanted to have fun doing comic books. And you can kind of tell like with Savage Dragon, because Savage Dragon, uh, he deals with a whole lot of, you know, different stuff. You, you can't say that Savage Dragon is like a straight, straight one kind of genre book, because sometimes it'll be science fiction, sometimes it'll be superhero, sometimes it'll be, um, you, you know. He, did a, he even did a run where it was kind of horrific in a way. Yeah, a horror-like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and then sometimes it's a love story, sometimes it's like, he goes all over the place. Um, but one thing you can never accuse Eric Larson of being is running out of ideas and being a one-trick pony. Oh, God, no. Um, he's like Todd yeah. McFarlane, like, yeah. like with Spawn. Yeah. He's constantly throwing Spawn into completely different, weird, mm. wacky scenarios, just like Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. Yeah. And there's not, you can't point at one comic. Yeah. That's exactly like the other. Oh, yeah. And one thing I like about uh, Eric Larson, um, one thing he does with his comic that not a whole lot of people do with theirs, um, the only other person I'd probably say is maybe Todd McFarlane, but um, but Todd McFarlane, uh, or not Todd McFarlane, I mean, Eric Larson, Eric Larson, what he does with Savage Dragon is that um, it's, it, it actually um, it, it actually exists in, in a universe where time keeps going forward. Yeah. Um, so many people will, like, like, like I said, like, like um, and once again, I'm not making fun, but, like, let's say you read a Superman comic now. Then you read a Superman comic 20 years from now. You'll still have a young Superman. Yeah. Um, Eric Larson always was making his character age. Like, when he did Savage Dragon, it started out was, uh, was, was, Dragon was actually, um, a different character than he is now. Mm -hmm. Because, um, um, what happened was, uh, you had Dragon for, uh, several years, and he even aged him through the years, and he even had a son. Yeah. And in fact, interestingly enough, in Savage Dragon now, the old Savage Dragon has actually died, and it's actually his son that's the main character of the book these days. See, and this is how you know... That Eric Larson is not only as a fantastic writer as he is, he knows how to not only go with the times, but to progress mm. a story in a most beautiful way. Exactly. Um, I just wish Spawn would have a son. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> Todd, you need to get on that. Actually, actually, he does. Um, um, because before, um, remember before, um, 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 see now I can't even remember his name. But uh, but the guy who became Spawn, um, before he uh, before he was killed, no, he had a family. 
Oh, and, that's and, right. And, and, and yeah, he's he's got kids. He's got True. kids. Um, and in fact, his daughter actually has her own abilities. Uh, you should check that out. But anyway, back to Savage Dragon. But Savage Dragon, uh, I got to give Eric Larson really great credit for this. Is that Savage Dragon's um, never boring. Nope. It may not be your flavor. Uh, it may not be your flavor for the time being because there's a whole thing. He may be going through a story arc that you don't particularly care for, but you could never say that Eric Larson is a one-trick pony who does the same idea over and over. Um, he's always doing different things with the comic book, because as we said, I mean, the comic book's actually constantly switching genres, because he's always doing something different with it. But what I like about it is he's stuck with his guns. He, he went out to do exactly what he did. He said he wanted to do comic books, and he wanted to have fun doing comic books. Exactly. Now, I'm going to shy away from Eric Larson for just a tiny bit, because... Yeah. We've got to talk about some Crazy Monkey Ink business for a little bit. Oh, yes, definitely. So now, what we got on the agenda this time? What we have on the agenda this time is not only are we getting even more pages from Cadence Lark is Furious, from Samir Samal and Brian J.O. Glass, and they are looking so sexy. Mm -hmm. They're looking amazing. And every, every time I see a new page, I'm just blown away with... The amazing pair that these two make. Oh yeah, exactly. you know that this, you know that this comic book's gonna be fucking awesome. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Also, um, we've got in the works Taxicab Joe number three. It is eighty percent complete mm -hmm. with Gaspar's artwork. Oh yeah, the pages are nearly done, and then very soon. Very soon, uh, Mike Montalvo will be coloring them and lettering them. Exactly. And after that, as soon as Montalvo is coloring and lettering that, mm -hmm. Gaspar will be jumping on number four, four people, mm -hmm. of Darum, Captain of the Stars, That's by right. Jared Gifford. I can't tell you <laughs> how fucking excited I am for this comic. Not only am I a fan, uh -huh. but I'm a fan. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you. But yes, I mean, we uh, we got some good good stuff in the works. Um, I also know, uh, as I said, that uh, Jason, uh, Jason Tudor, I guess he's uh, um, he, he's finishing up on Vorpal number four. And he's um, got a webcomic that he's going to be bringing out for, ta uh, yes. for um, Crazy Monkey Inc. as well. That's going to mm. be hitting the website very soon so yeah. we will definitely keep you up to date on that webcomic that he's got coming out oh yes um and we actually have another webcomic uh, on there uh, <coughs> it's called blood kill yes um this one's really awesome um you know um you definitely check it out um i, I also know that um let's see uh, uh stefano cardicelli um, hard at work on the Romeo and Juliet graphic novel, Romeo and Juliet, River of Blood. You have no idea how excited I am to get my fucking hands on that. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, in this one, it's, <laughs> no, it's sort of like a, it's like a, what do you call it? Like a, almost like a modern, uh, sort of cyberpunk version of, uh, of, of like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And I, just the artwork that Stefano does. Mm-hmm. I, it's obscure, but it's beautifully obscure. Once again, you can really tell where this guy uh, is written for. Is because for those who don't know, Stefano Carcelli's actually done some work for Heavy Metal Magazine. Yes. If you don't know who Heavy Metal Magazine is, 
Shame on you. Look it up. Slap yourself. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he's done some work for them, and so his, his artwork, it makes sense um, what his artwork looks like, because I would call it avant-garde. Yes, um, very but, avant-garde. But, uh, but, but Heavy Metal Magazine's known for those kind of artists. Yes. And, uh, he's anyway. also got two other books yes. out by us as well. Yes, uh, please. Check out Itoli's Finder at Cherry Bullet. Yes, they're on the website right now. A dollar fifty for digital, five dollars for the print version. Yeah, exactly. Um, I said several several other things. You know, I mean, um, I know that. Um, um, see, and and you know, you know more about this than I do because I keep forgetting. I'm a horrible person. What's up? But I know that um, our boss uh, Gabriel Ramirez is um, is is writing a story. Um, Cyborg Ninja with George Hernandez. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. I mean, George, if you ever meet me, <laughs> you, you feel free to punch me in the face because, I mean, uh, I, I can never remember your oh, name. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you, you know? No, the, our boss and George are making fucking magic with this comic. Just yeah. the stuff that they're doing with this is just let me crazy it, amazing. Let me just put it this way, and this will get all you guys excited for this. First off, if you're really into 80s nostalgia, you're going to love this because uh, because Raz bases it in the 80s, and it's yes. got that very much 80s vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's basically, it's it's... It's like it's like a futuristic sci-fi 80s movie with ninjas and you know just like talking oh, cats. Oh, well, mainly just ninjas. Well, yeah. But but the whole point is is that you know if you like action action 80s flicks with like sort of a um, with sort of like the uh, ninja influence, uh, you know you're gonna love this. <clears throat> it's it's like it's like it's like all your nostalgic dreams come true. Yes. Now. One more last piece of um, Crazy Monkey Inc. news. Two and a half weeks, people. Yeah. Two and a half fucking weeks until Sexy Zombie Hunters issue number one, by yours fucking truly, <laughs> comes out. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sexy Zombie Hunters number one. Please check it out. It's awesome. It really, uh, it's 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 it, it it's, it's sort of like I guess best way to describe it is like half action and half comedy. It's uh, it, it's it's very much on, and I'm not saying this to be insulting. It's actually very good. It's it's on the absurd scale, but it's meant to be. Yeah, it's um, not it's not supposed to be taken seriously. This is one yeah. of those comics that you can just like. Thumb through, laugh at, and yeah. then like share it with your friends. Yeah, exactly. And 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 uh, I mean, you know, you're gonna have all sorts of hilarious zombie scenarios in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, it's called Sexy Zombie Hunters. I mean, how 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 serious did you expect to take it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and and then I'm 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 the I I believe they're gonna be getting also um a, a preview of another book that you helped write um that's gonna be in that book if I remember right. Yeah, um, there is a short nine-page comic uh, called Mr. Happy. Yeah. It is created by Raz himself, because he's the fucking man. (laughs) Uh, So, you're going to get a taste of the boss, and how awesome he does his art, and how he makes 
stuff just blow off the page with amazingness. Yeah, so well, I hope he tastes awesome, you know. Throw himself on that roaster, and if he cooks up real good, be like, hey, that cooks up real good. Exactly. <laughs> and what's really interesting, which I was extremely humbled by, because I'd never gotten this opportunity in my life, yeah. and I'll forever thank him for it. He gave me his creation. He entrusted me with this thing. Yeah. He said, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to write a nine-page short on Mr. Happy. He gave me the synopsis of it. Yeah. And I wrote it up within, like, I think it was like an hour to two hours. Yeah. And he loved it. Yeah, And awesome. I thought I was going to fuck it up. <laughs> I was like, I hope he doesn't fire me. Yeah, yeah. But well, he really enjoyed it. It's going to be in the back of Sexy Zombie Hunters. So not only are you going to get Sexy Zombie Hunters, but you're going to get an amazing short by our boss and I. And I just got to tell you, the way that Raz does comics, it's like just fucking making love to a car. <laughs> it's like making love to a woman, seriously. Uh, He's just so yeah. good at it. Well, and, and, and I want to let people know also that Corey says, uh, you know, he... He won't. He won't give us the 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 deeds on it yet, <laughs> but uh, uh, but he uh, but he has said that he's got also another project plan for a summer release of next year, which he's all being hush hush about because he's dick. Yes, I am. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> I could drop a hint about it. Yeah. If you want me to. Ah, uh, it's okay. You know, the thing is, is that. Uh, You've got still plenty of other awesome books from you to look forward to until then. I mean, seriously, you want to check these out. Check out Sexy Zombie Hunters when it's released. Please, for the love of God, check out, you know, Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe number two when yes. it's released. So, no, you got they got plenty of books to look forward to. So, no, 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 please. Just let's leave them in suspense. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, there's some plenty of projects uh, that are going to be released from me this coming year. I know that, unfortunately, and, you know, I do have to apologize. Unfortunately, this year I was only get one book out, which was um, Darum number 3. However, next year's looking to be a lot better for me because I'm looking to have some more releases done. Yes. Um, I want to see at least 4, 5, and 6, yeah. if not 4, 5, 6, and 7. Well, yeah, well, I mean... Well, definitely for sure. Uh, I can I can at least assure the audience you're going to get Darren at least at least Darren number four and five next year. Yes. Um, uh, along with the very first Darren graphic novel. Um, oh, you know I'm throwing fucking money to that. Yeah, you, yeah. You yeah. better sign that goddamn thing. Oh, of course I am. <laughs> um, but, then, but then I'm also going to be working on some other projects as well. Um, the, this coming year, I'm going to be working on my Ronan Brothers project, which is, uh, you know, if you're a fan of, like, anything samurai, you are going to love this series. Yeah, Jared has given me the synopsis, and we've talked about mm -hmm. this project Probably for a good couple of months now, and mm -hmm. I'm excited yeah. to read this because not only is Jared a genius. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not trying to stroke your ego. Okay, <laughs> I am trying to stroke your ego. However, Jared has a phenomenal way of making a script come to life off the pages. So just reading the scripts that he writes, it's like going to a professional for advice. 
people. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, the, the, the Ronan Brothers is going to be a project I'm I'm going to be writing and and uh, at, at least releasing a, a comic of next year. Yeah. Um, I've also um, going to be working on getting the uh, Death Unicorn Slayer Bunnies graphic novel out. Yes. I'm also going to be working on, um, well, actually, both Corey and I. Uh-huh. Well, Corey and I are going to be working on getting, uh, on releasing our Sherlock Holmes graphic novel next year. I'm excited for both of those. I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not even fucking joking <laughs> you, because I got to read both of these scripts for um, Death Unicorn, Slayer of Bunnies, and the Sherlock Holmes graphic novel. Mm. Oh, my God. I really wish I wasn't standing. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Jared has made a hilarious barbarian story <laughs> out of this first one. Oh, and yeah. then he has taken Sherlock Holmes and Watson and put him in this most precarious and peculiar and just amazing um mm -hmm. sort of twisted tale of the police and other people trying to get Sherlock Holmes in trouble and basically basically disillude and disembowel his name that he's had for years yeah, and then it's yeah. up to Sherlock Holmes and mm -hmm. Watson to catch these fuckers. Oh yeah, and uh, to clear his name. Yeah, exactly. What you're getting, uh, what you're getting in this, and, and we don't want to give too much away, but yeah. at least enough to entice you to, into uh, into checking it out. But basically, in the story, you're going to get a uh, a different take on Sherlock Holmes. Usually, Sherlock Holmes works within the law. You know, uh, even though he has a few people on the law who don't like him. Basically, he's usually um, he's usu he's usually the guy who works with the police and and you know and basically um, you know uh, helps solve these cases and, and all this stuff. In um, in this regard, you're actually um, you're what you're getting with this one. What you're getting with this one is that uh, is you're getting a different kind of thing. Is that basically Sherlock Holmes and Watson are on their own. Yeah, they they're not getting help from the police. They are not getting help from their usual sources. Basically, Sherlock Holmes and Watson have to figure this case out by themselves. And they're actually having to evade the police in yeah. order to get this taken care of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so I think that people will like the twist in this and the fact that, that you're not going to get your typical Sherlock Holmes working with so many sources to basically get the get the information. Sherlock Holmes and Watson both have to use their wits and their own intelligence in order to solve this case because they're getting help from no one. Yeah. So definitely when they both come out mm -hmm. Death Unicorn Slayer of Bunnies write that shit down damn it. Yeah, and also Sherlock Holmes. And Sherlock Holmes Write that down as well. <laughs> yes, uh, we we got that plan as well. And then also, you know, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind telling people about this. I've got another project in mind, and once again, I'm not going to give the full details on it. Is this one you and I have discussed, or is um, it... well, it's one I've discussed to you just recently. Um, I'm uh, I'm actually going to be writing um a, a I guess what you call a sort of it's it's sort of 
half medieval fiction and half horror. Um, it's you're gonna have to refresh my memory. Yeah, well, it's 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 actually going to be a medieval uh, medieval vampire story. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the title is to be determined because I I haven't come up with the title yet. That's fine. I'm only I'm only just recently been fleshing out the characters and fleshing out the story itself. But but to give people at least a good uh, 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 something to get excited about, imagine imagine Game of Thrones with twice the blood, but none of the sex. Alrighty then. <laughs> I'm. Why no sex? I I don't I just don't write that way. Just I'm just, just a personal thing. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. It's, you're know. good. You're good. Hey, listen. For that, we'll come to you. Yeah. Because you're right. good at that kind of stuff. Fuck yeah, I am. I mean, I'm humble. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so so they can look forward to that. Um, anyway. Um, Wait a minute. Well. Dude, we totally forgot. What is it? Where in the fuck can you get our books? Ah ha ha! Thank you, thank you. Um, for those uh, for those uh, following us, you should know where to go. But for those just tuning in, you can get our books at crazymonkeyink.com, and it's ink with a K. Um, you know, um, all the digital copies are a dollar fifty. The print copies are five dollars. Um, you know, uh, you can you can uh, you can check out check out our stuff there. Buy it. Please check out all the other titles we have over there. Please support uh, your indie artists and creators. Um, I'm glad you remembered because I forgot. Oh yeah, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> and uh, and yes, you please check us out. Look uh, look it up. Um, you know, uh, you can find uh, many of the many of our many of our creators, ourselves included, on various bits of social media. Yes. Um, you can all, um, and then also, um, and and you know more about this than I do, so you can let people know. Um, tell people where they can listen to our podcast. Ah, the juicy part of the podcast. I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> um, you can go to Castbox, Sticker. You can go to. The Apple Store and find us. We're on Android as well. However, if you're wanting a lot of the episodes, go to Spotify because we're there as well under Crazy Monkey Inc. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're wanting all of the episodes because my lazy ass, <laughs> um, no attribute to anything else, um, has laxed on trying to figure out the problem as to why not all of the episodes are on Spotify. If you want to get the free app, Anchor, and you don't even have to set up an account, just you, you get it from the store, and you look up Crazy Monkey Inc., you will find all of our episodes from one to, I think this is episode 40, 41, something like that. We're, we're getting pretty close, I think yeah. so. So if you just want all the episodes, get the Anchor app. It doesn't take a whole lot of space on your phone, which is nice. Mm -hmm. You can click on it anytime you want. Um, it's offline, off Wi-Fi, adaptable, just like Spotify. So if you want to listen to our stuff offline, exactly. you can, which is also really nice because if you have low Wi-Fi, you can still listen to it. Um, also... I wanted to thank Jared for, mm -hmm. I know I do this a lot, but I wanted to thank you especially 
for helping me bring this podcast to life because you've given so much insight into everything that we talk about that this podcast literally would not be a thing without all of your knowledge. And I wanted to personally thank you in this episode for bringing your knowledge to this podcast. Well, I don't want to give full compliments to everybody involved, both you and I, because the whole thing is is that, well, I do thank you for what you've just said, but the whole thing is is that I also want to give you credit as well. The whole thing is this podcast was your baby. You, you created it. You know, without you, we wouldn't even have this podcast. And the whole thing is, is that um, while I may bring a lot of knowledge to this, you bring a lot of excitement to it. I, I'll totally admit the whole thing is that, uh, is that, well, if I if I bring the knowledge, you certainly bring the enthusiasm. <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Now, um, before we get on to the rest of Eric Larson, let's do the book reviews and recommendations and comic recommendations as well because i want the rest of the podcast to be strictly eric larson so let's take a couple yeah. minutes and get that taken care of oh okay well uh, um, and, and and if we don't we've actually have covered a good amount of ground with that but yes, yeah we we'll, we'll, we'll do that um so did you want to go first or should i uh i can't remember who went last oh it doesn't matter you go first all right fine um for comic books this is an amazing comic book not only because the creator is fantastic at what they do. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with this comic a while ago. And I, I, I can't give enough credit to this, to, to this comic artist, this fucking genius. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, I guess it's kind of an obsession of mine, kind of an addiction. <laughs> I, know, I know you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Rat Queens. Oh, yeah. So, to see... Um, I, I believe you've actually talked about this in the last podcast, but yes, please go on. Um, Rat Queens, for a short, tiny synopsis, is about four misfit bandits from Palisade who are given various bounty journeys to go out and slay dragons, kill goblins, all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. And it's their hilarious journey through, um, keeping Palisade safe and at times getting high with drugs <laughs> and uh, drinking unmercilessly gods of ale and mead and getting fucking plastered and trashing the town of Palisade and pissing off the mayor like nobody's business. And they actually almost get kicked out of the very first fucking issue of Palisade. But then they ask, the mayor, if they can redeem themselves of the shit that they just brought on within the first couple pages of the first <laughs> issue, because it's just a shit show. The first five pages is just a fucking shit fest. And they're asking for a redemption quest, basically. And it's just, oh, it's just fucking hilarious. Oh, uh, and uh, what do you get for novel recommendations? <laughs> novel recommendations. I just barely finished this novel, and I totally even fucking forgot to tell you that I was reading it. Oh, it's okay. Go ahead. I actually got to read the original Jane Eyre. Nice. Then, then for those who don't know, that's a freaking classic. Yes. Um, Jane, Jane Eyre, a great, awesome British novel. If you do not know what that is, well, then you are uncultured heathens. That's right. Now, Jane Eyre, to me was the type of book that celebrated innocence and coming into womanhood and figuring out 
who you were and how you mm -hmm. uh, molded into the society that um, you had been born into. And it, it shows the tale of Jane and how she's trying to maneuver through coming into um, womanhood and how she's supposed to be proper and how she's supposed to keep her head up and all this other stuff and how she just kind of wants to do her own thing and it yeah. kind of like pisses off her family yeah basically the whole thing is she wants to do her own thing but the problem is, is especially during the time period in which it was written yeah. the whole thing is you know well women sadly back then were expected to behave a certain way they were expected to look a certain way they were expected to um, make their families happy. Exactly. And uh, Jane Eyre was having none of that, actually. Yeah. So, if you have any ounce of cultural wisdom in you, <laughs> go pick up Jane Eyre. You will mm. not regret it. It is a fantastic read. It's beautifully written. And it's a classic to stand throughout the ages. Well, I totally agree with you. Um... And uh, for me, I guess uh, I'll, I'll go in the same order you did, okay. since you kind of started this. Have for uh, for comic books, I'm actually going to I'm actually going to match you uh, not not with the same comic book, but at least same genre, sort of uh, comedy fantasy. Um, I'm going to suggest Skull Kickers from Jim Zub. Oh, Skull Kickers! Oh, dude, have uh, at it. Oh yeah, Skull Kickers. For those not familiar, it's so freaking hilarious. It's about a dwarf warrior and uh, and 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 a sort of um, I, I guess you'd call a gunslinger from the old west. Yeah. Who's been thrust into a different time period? Basically, um, they just travel across different kingdoms and 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 through different parts of the world and they just uh they're sort of like treasure seekers uh-huh and uh and basically they just like leave a wave of destruction wherever the hell they go and it's just so hilarious it's not meant to be taken seriously no it's a big slapstick story in fact it gets so freaking hilarious and convoluted by the end of it they destroy the universe <laughs> yeah, that's something that i would want to read i mean oh, yeah. i have read it yeah and i'd read it again yeah uh definitely worth, worth checking out please check it out jim's up great writer um and like i said just the series itself is just so hilarious they have that in trade paperback right they do oh they do in, in fact right. in fact six volumes yes please check it out read it um all, totally worth it um, and then for my novel recommendation, I'm actually going to suggest the, um, uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table from Howard Pyle. Oh, dude, that oh. is awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and once again, for those that don't know, I mean, the whole thing is, is that it, it compiles various King Arthur legends, um, and, uh, and then just kind of, uh, puts them all into one story, uh, because for those who don't know, there's so many different... Arthurian legends. There are. Um, and uh, um, I guess the most famous being the French tale, La Morte d'Arthur. Yeah. Where, that was where they introduced the whole love triangle between uh, Guinevere, Lancelot, and, and King Arthur. Um, yeah, that was... 
Yeah. That was fantastic. And yeah. actually, Howard Pyle, yeah. he also um, wrote Robin Hood. Exactly. For those that don't know, that's a, that's a, uh, Corey obviously knows, because in fact, I think you got the novel recently. I, I do, and um, I've read it yeah, like, I don't know how yeah, many Howard, read it. Yeah, Howard Pyle, um, did, did, what he did was he, um, he I, 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 I guess he can't be given enough credit, but he took a lot of sort of like different legends over the years, because Robin Hood had been a legend for a while, yeah. um, King Arthur had been a legend for a while, and what he did was he took them, he put them into good, coherent stories that, that, that basically combined the myth with a tale that that had a flow to it. Um, Did you know I still have the original paperback version of Robin Hood? Nice. It's all tattered, but yeah. I still have it. <laughs> well, didn't you just? And you, and you, I think you just recently uh, told me too. Didn't you just barely buy a leather-bound version of it? Yeah, I bought a leather-bound version of it, and I believe the pages are gold-leafed. Nice. <laughs> and it's got that cool. Uh, a ribbon strip in the middle for uh, easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to buy a bookmark. It's already got yeah, its own. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Howard Pyle, freaking. Yeah, you got King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. I, I, once again, I I would suggest that as highly as I would Robin Hood. Exactly. Yeah, uh, so check it out, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. If you want a nice sort of simplified version of King Arthur, buy that one. Now, if you don't mind. Uh, reading something overly complicated, please go back and read stuff like Lamort to Arthur um, if you've got the patience. Mm -hmm. But for those who want the King Arthur legend, but without all the sort of ramblings on, yeah, um, I would I would suggest I would suggest the Howard Pyle book, King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table, because it condenses it nicely. The whole legend. Lamort to Arthur is actually a lot longer. It is than what, the uh, Howard Pyle one, and yeah. the language is so. Uh, uh, how do you describe it? It's well, so old English. Uh, well, 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 what you have is it was originally a French story. Yeah. So what you have is old French translated into old English. Yeah. You know, retranslated into modern English. <laughs> so it, it's it, it you know it's it's like when people go back and they read the Bible. Okay. Oh, it's dear like God. it's it's it, it it's one of those things that it's I mean. If you can get through it, it can be rewarding, but it can be a chore. <laughs> yeah, so I would suggest either the Old English version or the New English version, because either or, either or those are fantastic. Oh, exactly. And so, um, you know, uh, just uh, so with that, I mean, uh, that uh, it kind of ends up with the recommendations. I say uh, for the last little bit, I guess we can just kind of wrap it up. Uh, just so, so for those that know, um, the whole thing is, is that, uh, you know, over the years, um, I will admit, um, and, and, and is that um, I didn't really pay attention to Eric Larson until actually about, and I'm sad to say, but not until about 10 years ago. Um, in the 90s, I was aware of who Eric Larson was, didn't really follow his work. I was more of a I was more of a Todd McFarlane guy back then. Yeah. And and, and Mark Silvestri and you and I have discussed this before. Mm -hmm. um, so you picked but, him up around 2007, 2008, yeah, like uh, heavily. Um, yeah, about about that, that sounds about accurate. Okay. Um, 
uh, I started to get more familiar with his stuff then. Um, so, uh, so the thing is, is, yeah, it wasn't until later in life I started to enjoy it. But uh, I will admit this, though. Even though it took me later to get into his stuff, mm-hmm. once I did get into his stuff, I had an appreciation for it. It doesn't make it any more or less uh, enjoyable. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't you know. make it any less significant. Exactly. I, you know, I'll always get a little, I will admit, I will get a little miffed. When um, when people will basically say, oh, well, it's not as significant to you because you didn't discover it till later. It's like, well, fuck you. You know, um, the whole thing is, it's like, don't tell me what something means to me because maybe I discovered it later than you. Yeah, you know what? You may have been there at day one, but that doesn't mean that I care about something less than you do because maybe I discovered it later. Exactly. If I discovered it and i enjoyed it and it has a special meaning for me it doesn't matter when i learned about it that's the same with um howard Pyle's two novels we just mentioned because i didn't actually pick up robin hood until i was eight yeah and And robin hood had been around as a story for a hell of a lot longer than i've been alive Oh yeah, and I'll admit, I'll admit, I was more familiar with the Robin Hood movies uh, instead of the Robin uh, novelization. I was like, I wasn't, I, I didn't really start reading that until I was a little bit older. So I'm, I'm with you on that too. So the, you know, you and I share that. So, um, so yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like you know, I, it always just irritates me when, 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 when you have people who are like that when they, when they'll basically say something doesn't mean as much to you because you discovered it later. It's like. You know, how do you know what it means to me? You don't, you know? It's like when someone wants to pick up um, and start reading Wolverine. Yeah. Wolverine is just significant to that person when they start reading it as it was when Wolverine first came out. Exactly. Well, it's like I have this with, like, with, with Star Wars. Uh, like, uh, I'll have some, like, original, original Star Wars fans. And, hey, like, I've, I've watched Star Wars since I was, like, you know, a baby. Exactly. Um thing is, I, I was raised up on Star Wars. Now, here's the whole thing. I remember, I, I know people telling me, well, you don't know because you weren't there in 1977 when it first was released. So and I fucking tell, what? And I tell people the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, you know, you know what? I was one. I was one of the first people to go and see Return of the Jedi. And I was only two. Yeah. You know, so, um, in fact, I think I was only one and a half. The only thing is, the whole thing is, is that. Uh, I still remember growing up with it. I still remember movie nights with it. I still remember special stuff that my family used to do watching Star Wars. So don't you dare tell me that it doesn't mean to me what it means to you. Now, now in a way, it, uh, now in a way, I don't, I do understand certain significance. I understand that you had a different experience, but my experience didn't mean any less because it was different. Yeah, I mean, I've not got to discover. Uh, I will admit, I didn't actually get to see Star Wars in the theaters until they re-released it in the 90s. Yeah. When they re-released it in the 90s, I, I went those saw all three of those bad boys in the theaters. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you did too, yeah. Well, of course I did. <laughs> I mean, I waited until the lines died down. I but sure yeah. as fuck wasn't going to wait yeah, three we, hours but, yeah. to see the damn movie. But so I can tell people, hey, I did see it in the theater. Didn't get to see it in the theater until it was re-released, but I did get to see it in theater. But no, did I get to have the 1977 experience of Star Wars? No. But that doesn't mean I'm any less of a Star Wars fan, and that doesn't mean that Star Wars doesn't have a special place, uh, you know, a special meaning for me. Exactly. Now, with all that being said, we're going to wrap this up. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Jared Gifford has been my friend for eons. 
<laughs> For a million years. I will forever be appreciative with not only his knowledge and his love of comics and of cultural um, proprietorship and knowing a shit ton about just everything that he loves. He's an amazing person. If you ever get to meet this fantastic individual, I would suggest you sit down, you shut the fuck up, and you listen to what he has to say, because he's got a wealth of knowledge that would fill a Britannica. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I feel the same about you as well. It's, you know, it's been a long journey. It's been fun. Glad, glad to have you here with, uh, with, with me. You know, you, you've been one of the most loyal friends that I've ever had. I I have to say the same with you as well because you are one of the only friends that has not only stood the test of time but someone that um, I love as a brother and someone that has helped me along in life and I appreciate you. And on this wonderful note, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, let's say goodbye to the wonderful people. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful night. Have a great new week. Make sure to show each other appreciation. Show each other that you love each other. Do something for someone that Maybe not can do something for themselves. We love you all, and we'll see you in the next episode. Have a fantastic new week.